are looking at 6 through 10. Working our way through this. Second half of 6. Which he freely bestowed upon us and the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood. Forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intentions that he purposed in him with a view to the administration suitable to the fullness of time. That is the summing up of all things in Christ. Things in the heavens and things in the earth in him. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you that you have given us wisdom and insight. That, Father, is beyond that of mortal man. And, Father, as we look at this beautiful sentence, that, Father, we would bow to it. Father, you have reminded me yet again that it is not us mastering your word. It is your word mastering us. Thank you, my King, for your holy word. Father, thank you for your spirit that teaches us. Thank you for the all-encompassing of us in the Trinity. We love you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. We've been going through this letter and and I I shared with you you verses 1 and 2 is like the framework of what we're going to go be going through. And then 3 and following, actually 3 through 14, is something that took place before the foundations of the world. And it gives us an aspect on things. First was the aspects of blessings. Then we had the aspects of forming the body of Christ, which is called the church. And now we are in the aspects of redemption. What is redemption? And, and we, we've been through this, that we looked at the Redeemer. Who did this? And it was God the Father before the foundations was the plan. Who are the redeemed? Those that he has chosen to be called by his name, to be placed into the body of Christ. We looked at the price. The price of redemption was the precious blood of his son, sinless and spotless. And we started last week looking at the results, the results of redemption. And I want to touch on that just briefly Because it is the forgiveness of our trespasses. The forgiveness of our trespasses. And that's an amazing phrase, a fiamy. It literally means that it was separated. It was removed. One of the things that is amazing to me is I go through the whole of Scripture that my sins are as far as the east is from the west. Okay? That means our sins, those of the redeemed, are not in God's mind or memory. It's non-existent entity. To me, that, that is stunning. Because you and I can have someone offend us or hurt us, and we will forgive them, but we don't get it out of our memory. Right? I mean, you can forgive them. You can be genuine in your forgiveness. But to have it removed from your memory, only God does. And God took yours and my sins. 
those in the past, those that you will do here just before lunch, and those that you're going to do tomorrow morning in rush hour traffic. And they're not in his memory. That is the forgiveness that we have in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, you see phrases that we are clothed in Christ's righteousness. What that means is, is that when God looks at you, what does he see? Jesus Christ. And how much sin did Jesus Christ have? None. Not only did he not have none, he had no capability to sin. I, I watch people try to do theological yoga in First uh, John on that, saying, well, that, then, then that cheapens our redemption if he couldn't sin. And I was like, tell him that when you see him. Okay, because that's got to be one of the dumbest arguments I've ever heard in my life. Well, he couldn't have sinned. Then what was the big deal about him? Really? Really? Because if you're really honest with yourselves, our Redeemer had to be 100% man and 100% God. I mean, if he's going to be a priest, a priest was chosen from where? Among men. And we have a great high priest. Who had to be absolutely sinless. Alright. So. That is forgiveness. We need to understand that. I watch people carrying the burden of their sin. Has, has anybody read Pilgrim's Progress? Pilgrim keeps carrying this stinking pack around. That is the stuff that he believes he's responsible for. And at the end of the book, you're sitting there because he goes into the bog of despair and all these other places. And he's carrying this stupid load around and he doesn't until he gets to the gate. Then he doesn't understand. You don't have to carry that. I see Christians today who carry that. And the reason is, I don't know what the reason is. The sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. I conclude that's infinity. That's where your sins and my sins are. And yet I watch people struggle with it. And I'm like, why do you struggle with it? And, and, and I'll hear people. How many times have you heard someone who says, well, I'm trying to overcome this. Well, you know what? I love you. You can't. Okay. If you could, you didn't need a savior. I don't care what it is. Well, I have this problem with my mouth or I have this problem with my attitude or I have this problem, you know, fill in the blank. You know what? He's already done it. Now then, do you trust him? And, and, and yet I watch people just knock themselves out trying to figure that out. I just can't understand this. Well, yeah, stop. Stop. If you carry the burden of your sin, you will go, as Pilgrim's Progress said, into the bog of despair. And how many Christians have I seen who are in the bog of despair? They got this big load on their back and they don't understand the depth of God's forgiveness. Okay? That is part and parcel of what redemption is. Jesus on the cross said, it is really close to being finished. No. It is finished. All right. But I want to step into the second part of this. Verse eight, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. 
Okay? That's the New American Standard translation. Some of your translations may say, he abounded. Okay? Listen, one of the things that I've learned in looking at Scripture is God is seriously into abounding. Okay? I mean, he, that's just, that's just that's, whatever he does, he abounds at it. And, and, and I think there's times that you and I, we get kind of tangled up in what's going on around us, and we forget that our God is abounding. Is abounding. So these two things that you see, wisdom and insight, all right? Do you understand... God isn't handing out pieces. Okay? He's not giving you little dribbles and drabs here and there. He's taking the spiritual dump truck and burying your butt in it. All right? And we all live like, well, you know, God gave me a crumb. You're not underneath God's table waiting for him to spill something. He has... Literally, if you wanted to use a theological understanding for it, he has dumped it on us. And I will tell you, next month, first Sunday in June, will be my 23rd year as your senior pastor. And I'm a little, every once in a while, get a little frustrated that you guys are thinking you're living by pieces. And he has come by with the dump truck of heaven and poured it on you. And why don't we live like it? We should be living in the fact what he has lavished on us, abounded upon us, superabounded on us. Who he has dumped on us. The word... Literally, because the structure of the sentence means superabundantly. Okay, now, what did he do superabundantly here? Well, it's easy. Wisdom and insight. Okay, now I look at this and the contrast between the forgiveness and then this is the positive. The forgiveness is the negative thing. Now, don't get me wrong. Yes, I think it's great that he forgave me, but it was sin that I had to be forgiven of. All right? That's the negative. And upon forgiving us, he has given us the positive. Wisdom and insight. He dealt with the sin. He, you know, it's so awesome. He forgave us. If you're a believer today, if you are truly a child of God today, you have been forgiven. And now that he has forgiven you, he gives us his plan. Okay, it's like you're forgiven. Just go get out of my sight. No, he says, I got a plan. I got a plan for each and every one of you. He, if you wanted to look at it in the Greek language, he made it to overflow. Okay. What did he make to overflow? Wisdom and insight. See, that's the verb. Uh, It's, I I would like to get into the, the hermeneutics of it, but it, it would just drive you nuts. It's super overflowing abounding. Okay, 
You know what I'm trying to get at you? You can't comprehend this. It's like if somebody dropped you in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and says, now then, this is what you've got. Okay? And what I found is, and you'll get later in this letter, it is unending. Super overflowing, abounding in wisdom and insight. Okay, the word here, wisdom, is Sophia. Okay? Um, Sophia, in the original language, is it is a wisdom, an understanding of eternal things. Eternal things. You know, I watch a lot of people who don't get it, who don't understand eternal things. If you've ever had a death, I've been exposed to a death. That's an eternal thing. You know that that person, what you remember, poof, it's done. Kaput. It's eternal. All right? Sophia is the wisdom of eternal things. Depending on your translation, here in the NAS, it is insight is the next one. Uh, some of your translation may say prudence, which is an interesting word. Phoneus. Phoneus is the Greek word. That is insight into earthly things. All right? That would be the understanding of looking at it on a day-to-day living. As a Christian... As the redeemed, we not only have forgiveness that takes care of the negative side, but there is also the positive side of the riches of God that he has lavished. He has super abundantly abounded upon us of understanding the eternal things and the day to day things. Let me ask you a question. When I, when I think about this, God gives us the ability to understand him. Do you ever think about that? I can understand him. Now, I guarantee you, everybody in this room has come to a point at some point in their life and says, I don't know what God's doing. Right? That's for you guys who are planners. Us guys who ain't, I don't really care. This is going to be great because it's super abundantly abounding. Okay? He gives us super abundantly abounding the ability to understand Him. But He also gives us the ability to walk through this world on a day to day basis, on a moment by moment basis. That is wisdom and insight. So you have a view and an understanding and an ability that is divinely empowered to grasp the eternals. But you also have a divine power, ability to understand the moment by moment move of your existence. Theological. 
theological understanding. Now, you can say that to most Christians and their eyes glaze over like, oh, I don't want that. I didn't go to seminary. I don't need to know that thing. But he has given it to you. Understand who he is and how it works and even how to put it to work. That's amazing. That is amazing to me. He has given me the understanding of who he is and how that works in my life and how to put it to work in my every breath. How wondrous. Think about this. He has removed the penalty of sin. He has removed the power of sin. And in the future, he will remove you from the presence of sin. And we talk about his wondrous grace. We sing that song, It's Amazing Grace. Okay? Well, I think it's more on the phantasmagorical grace. It just doesn't sing as well. He forgives us our sin, and then he pours into our minds, and through our hands, and through our feet, and through our mouths, the principles for spiritual living in this mess of a world. And he does it super abundantly abounding. That's, that's just amazing. Just flat out amazing. Spiritual discernment. We are the ones and we are the, we are the ones that are in the council. Now get this. I, I use these words carefully. The council with God. Not of God. With God. You know, people say, well, how often do you read your Bible? I say, every day. Oh, do you read specifically? Well, yeah, whatever I'm teaching, I read that every day. Uh, like I, I'm teaching First Timothy, so I read First Timothy every day. I'm reading Ephesians, so I teach it every day. When we were in Romans, I read Romans every day. And then I wander around. And And people say... Well, I just don't have time to do that. You know what my response is? If you think that, you're telling me you don't have time to look into the mind of God. That's what you're telling me. That's why I make friends and influence people. So you don't want to know what God's thinking. All right. (laughs) He'll still show you. Spiritual discernment. Heard a friend of mine years ago made a comment that the church has a spiritual case of AIDS. Okay, AIDS means that it, the immune system isn't working. And I thought, well, that's interesting. He said, yeah, it's a spiritual case. He says, because the church has no discernment. And then as I speak to people, I realize that, yeah, most people know a handful of stories from the Bible. And that's the extent of it. I know pastors right now who can look me in the eye and admit they've never read their Bible from cover to cover. You're a pastor. So you only know part of what God's thinking. 
That's why we open up every worship service with the reading we read through the Bible. And it's our second time through. And people say, well, you know, that's that Leviticus stuff. Yeah, but I know what kind of bugs I can eat. Okay, bet you don't know what kind of bugs you can eat. You eat those, you're going to be unclean. Just kind of ruins the church dinner, doesn't it? <laughs> We're going to have crickets. <laughs> Yahoo! <laughs> that's what I was counting on. Okay, because if you can't have the locusts, you need to go. <laughs> you know, I, you know, you read that, but I'm like, you know what? Because I've had people ask me about that kind of stuff, and I was like, does it bother you that God has detail? I've never had a problem with him having detail. Listen, God thinks so highly of you, the redeemed, that he has given us the secrets of the universe. I watch people strut around and act like a bunch of peacocks thinking that they know a whole bunch. Okay, and the more they talk, the more you realize what my grandfather said. Better to be quiet and thought stupid than open your mouth and remove all doubt. Because I listen to a lot of people. Here's one that I have heard. A French philosopher, André Moros, I quote, The universe is indifferent. Who created it? Why are we on this puny mud heap spinning in infinite space. I have not the slightest idea, and I am convinced no one else does either. Unquote. Guess what, Andre? I know. See, that's just, that's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. Listen, I know truth. And if I don't know truth, I'll find it in here. I know truth. What God has chosen to hide from the wise of the world. Why? Because they're a bunch of peacocks. I don't think anyone has the slightest idea. You don't. I do. Gosh, I figured this out a long time ago. He has chosen to reveal this to the simple, to the babes, to the weak. Why? Because they are teachable. They are teachable. You have people that I call peacocks, and they're not teachable. I mean, think about it for a second. You think I'm wrong? Why is it we put so much credentials behind master's degree or bachelor's degree or doctorates and things like that. Why do we put so much emphasis on that? Does that make them smarter? Dude, I think there's somewhere between master's and doctorate that reality checks out. And, I, you know, I've got my degree. I, I've got an aunt who has three doctorates. And it's all in mathematics. I'm like, how in the world... Do you get three doctorates in mathematics? I mean, numbers are numbers and they ain't going to change. So be done with it. But I tell you what, I love her to death, but she's a dingbat. Okay? I mean, she can sit down and write a college master's degree math book. 
and publish it. And everybody's like, whoa. But I sit and had a conversation with you and you're like, oh, gee. <laughs> you're circling the planet and you don't even know which one. Okay. So I have seen people. I know a lot of people who have great little letters after the end of their name. And yet, for whatever reason, they're clueless. They're absolutely clueless. And, 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 I, and, I, and I struggle with it because I realize that to the infants, to the babes, God has said, look, this is eternity. Let me explain it to you. Look at what's happening on in your world. Let me explain it to you. Look at what's going on in your personal life. Let me explain it to you. Oh, did I forget to tell you? This was the plan before the foundations of the world. Before I created anything, I already knew who you were. I knew how I was going to get your attention and I knew how I was going to take you through. I know exactly when you're going to leave this place and you're going to see me face to face. I can tell you the exact nanosecond. That's amazing. That's amazing. I think about it. In uh, Isaiah 40, the waters fit in the hollow of his hand. The span of his hand is creation. Now, I've been looking at creation. And creation, that's a pretty big span. And yet, there are things that are spoken of in the Bible that we are just now figuring out. You know what, 1950, was it 50-something, 53, 54, somewhere in there? We came up with a conclusion. It's great. We were wise unto our own species. We came up and we understood what the hydrological cycle was. You know what the hydrological cycle is? Got that great big body of water out there. They call it the Pacific. It gives off mist, humidity. It comes in against the mountains. It gets compressed, turns into a cloud, gets real compressed. Guess what? Turns into rain. Okay? It falls down the mountains, gets into the river, flows back to where? The ocean. If you're truly honest with yourself, I hear us tell us, people, people tell us that we're wasting water. We have lost one liter of water since man has been around. And that's because some clown left it on the moon. Okay? But other than that, you still got the same water that started in creation. That's amazing, isn't it? We figured that out. You know, Isaiah knew that. He speaks of it. It comes to us from the seas. It is compressed and comes as rain and snow and flows back to the seas. That's what Isaiah said. And remember, he's just one of them religious guys. Really? See what I'm trying to get at? That is looking at the eternals and the day-to-day life. And the day-to-day life. I like that. Why? He kind of got this thing figured out. We know what truth is. He has hidden it from the wise. If you don't know, listen, I love you guys. If you don't understand this right now, then go to James 1. You who lack wisdom, ask. And it's given to you. Oh, no, not again. 
abundantly. Guess what? The wisdom truck comes up and dumps right on you. And you go, poof. And the reason it ain't dumped on you right now is because you haven't asked. I watch people go through the motions and I think, no, you who lacks wisdom. Okay, that's the eternals. I ain't figuring out the eternals yet. And so I don't have that. And he says, ask and it will be given to you liberally. You know what that means? It'll overwhelm you. You, you, you'll be trying to tread water in wisdom. He has taken care of the sin problem. The sin problem blinds us. It doesn't allow us to see it. But he also gives us the concept of his truth and how to exist in this world. How to exist in this world. The results of redemption is that I have freedom. Freedom out of this world. Why? Because I have an insight in the counsel with God on the eternals. But I also have counsel with God on how to get through the day-to-day jargon. The day-to-day things that each and every one of us do. Listen, when I grew up, many of you know my past history, I believed I was the freest thing on the planet. I could come and go and do as I pleased, where I wanted to, with who I wanted to, however I wanted to. And I believe that I had a freedom that everyone was envying. You know what? I was in bondage. I right now have a greater freedom than I have ever experienced in my life, except for tomorrow. And tomorrow that freedom will be greater because I will have more insight into his Eternals, and I'll have more insight into the day-to-day. Anybody want to go with me? It's a fabulous trip. It's a fabulous trip. But I will tell you this. If you're planning, (laughs) get ready. (laughs) Because you guys know I don't plan. I just show up. All right? Listen, brothers and sisters. According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. I talked this and I'm going to close with this thought. How rich is God? Can you put a number on it? No. Then how much grace is that? If it's of the riches of his grace, which he has super abundantly abounded, pouring on us in wisdom and insight. How much is that? You ever thought about that? I told you that reading this letter will be just like looking into God's bank account, realizing that you can't outspend it. But now you have to ask your question. Do I live in light of this? Or do I think that I'm just living on crumbs off of God's table? No, man. You're his. He bought and paid for you with a price. And what would he withhold? It's on the riches of his grace. How rich is God? 
That is how much grace he's got. Let's pray. Father, we come to you, the author and the finisher. I thank you, Lord, for this amazing text. Father, I, I thank you that what you have handed out is uh, it's overwhelming. Father, you have given us wisdom and insight. Father, after you gave us forgiveness. Thank you, Father, for redemption. Thank you for the cross of Calvary. Thank you for the amazing things you continue to do. Father, may we stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, not wavering, but, Father, growing in understanding that we are overwhelmed and that, Father, we all become warriors for Christ in a lost and dying world. Help us, Father. Help us to see you in everything that is around us and every step that you give us. We love you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.